Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Ecclesiastes chapter 3 from the World English Bible. For everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What profit has he who works in that in which he labors? I have seen the burden which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in their hearts, yet so that man can't find out the work that God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good as long as they live. Also, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy good in all his labor is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. And God has done it, that men should fear before him. That which is has been long ago, and that which is to be has been long ago. God seeks again that which is passed away. Moreover, I saw under the sun in the place of justice that wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness that wickedness was there. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. I said in my heart, as for the sons of men, God tests them, so that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For that which happens to the sons of men happens to animals. Even one thing happens to them. As the one dies, so the other dies. Yes, they have all one breath, and man has no advantage over the animals, for all is vanity. All go to one place. All are from the dust, and all turn to dust again. Who knows the spirit of man, whether it goes upward and the spirit of the animal, whether it goes downward to the earth? Therefore I saw that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his works, for that is his portion, for who can bring him to see what will be after him? That is the end of chapter 3. I feel like I need to recommend the article that I mentioned when talking about Ecclesiastes chapter 2 every time, so I probably will, just to make sure that we keep it in perspective that this is kind of like Job where you need to bookend it um, to put the whole thing in perspective and you just can't take the individual parts as words spoken in clear truth. 
there are various parts of the Bible like that where something is said, but it's clarified later. So, I mean, even letters in the New Testament where they spend a great deal of time going over false doctrines, so they have to talk about them, and that doesn't mean they're advocating them. Then I wanted to mention something that has stood out to me in all the way through so far, and that this is very self-centered. The preacher that is being quoted is constantly saying, me and I. He's not talking about other relationships to any meaningful degree that I have found so far. Also, he makes the statement that there will be no remembrance, yet here we are remembering him, disproving his very words. Now, note that chapter 2 ends with the comments about the vanity of man's labor. And then we have this poetic section about there's a time for this and there's a time for that. And then he again goes back to talking about labor as a burden from God. So I think it makes sense to think about this section, a time for this, a time for that, in terms of labor, because that's what he's talking about. It's interesting that he starts with uh, a time to be born and a time to die, and then everything else that he talks about falls in between those two times. Each item has a sense that even though certain things in life are inevitable, that a man, a person, an individual has to choose when to do these things appropriately. As a gardener, I think I completely understand item two, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted because I'm in the middle of cleaning out some of the dead plants in my garden right now. As for a time to kill, I guess it depends on whether you're talking about people or animals. We just culled a couple of roosters and turned them into soup. Um, But also when it comes to people, there are laws in the Old Testament about the justice that, say, comes to murderers or people who kidnap other people. They are to be killed. And then I'll skip down to verse 5, where it says a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. The meaning of this is not obvious to me, but a couple of places that I read said it had to possibly do with boundary markers because stones are used for boundary markers. Then when it comes to a time to love and a time to hate, I think there's a reason biblically for taking this in terms of a time to accept and approve and a time to spurn, much like we've talked about with God saying he loved um, Jacob but hated Esau, or Jesus saying, if you want to follow him, you have to love him but hate your father and mother. So it's more of a comparison of priorities. And then is a time for war and a time for peace. I think anybody would admit that sometimes we have to defend ourselves, but this is not saying that there's a time to go out and be aggressive, which is completely antithetical to any place in the Bible. So it all emphasizes the inevitability of certain cycles of the life of a person and includes survival, bodily changes, building emotions, social interactions, organization, and conflict all in time, time, time. But each person has a decision to make about doing these things and how to respond to them, which we see further on in this chapter. Verse 10, where it talks about the burden which God has given to the sons of men to be afflicted with, speaks back to the curse that um, because of man's sin. And then in verse 11, when it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. This seems like a glimpse of Romans 8.28, where Paul says that God works all things together for good for those that love him. And then in Galatians 4.4, when it talks about the fullness of time coming and God sending forth his son. 
And then in the second part of verse 11, we have that beautiful phrase, he has also set eternity in their hearts. But then it's juxtaposed to the idea that we can't understand all the mystery, the beginning from the end. We just yearn for the things of God. There is a particular missionary, his name is Don Richardson, who wrote a book that my grandmother introduced me to many, many years ago. It's called Peace Child. And he talks about the fact that this eternity in our hearts has been found among all the different isolated tribes that he has gone to preach the gospel to. And I highly recommend the book Peace Child, and I'll put a link to that. And then in verse 12, we have the verse that talks about our response to everything that is going on. When the preacher says, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good as long as they live. And then you have that conveniently famous verse also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy good in all his labor is the gift of God, sort of like eat, drink, and be merry, which is fine as far as it goes when you are being content and appreciative of what you have. And for instance, the children of Israel got in trouble for not um, appreciating God's provision in the Old Testament, in the Exodus. And then also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, it talks about working quietly with your hands and providing for yourself. In verse 14, it talks about whatever God does. So then you have to ask, what does he do? The Bible is full of things that God does and that God will do and that God has told us that we need to consider and choose. So one of the things that God has done is given us a choice. He says over and over throughout the scripture, whosoever will. But in verse 15, it specifies that God will work his plans and purposes no matter what choices people are making, whether or not they choose to follow and worship him. Then there's this funny sentence at the end, which says, God seeks again that which is passed away. I looked that up in several different translations. So for instance, the New King James Version says, God requires an account of what is past. Both the English Standard Version and the Revised Standard Version say, God seeks what has been driven away. And Young's literal translation says, God requireth that which is pursued. At the very least, these all seem to speak of God's justice and judgment. Verse 16 bemoans the fact that wickedness persists. And verse 17 says that there's a time for every purpose and every work. And verse 18 says that God tests us. To quote it exactly, it says, As for the sons of men, God tests them so that they may see that they themselves are like animals. The word test is a little distorted for many people because they feel like it's somebody trying to make them get a wrong answer. But the the word test also implies the idea of proving what something really is, what it's like. So here, we are being having it proven to us that we are like the animals and that we are also going to die. Notice he does not say we are animals. There would not be the need for a comparison like animals if we were animals. And also there is some discussion about what it means when he says, who knows the spirit of man, whether it goes upward and the spirit of animal, whether it goes downward. I'm going to link to an Answers in Genesis article that makes a pretty good case that this is a rhetorical statement at uh, at least, and may be slightly worded wrongly according to the Hebrew that it's trying to state it more like, doesn't everybody know this? 
But like I said, I will link to that article so you can read it and see if that makes sense to you. So then in verse 22, again, it talks about man's response, that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his works. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 